Welcome to this week's presentation with Scott Toole. We are thrilled to have you joining us as we gain insight from God's Word. Now, speaking from Rosedale Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland, here's Pastor Toole. Tonight, uh, we're in chapter 5 of Deuteronomy. Read it again. Read it again. Um, I'm going to carry it myself if you don't jump in. And so, uh, read it again. And here in chapter 5, he's retelling it uh, again. And what he's retelling is in Exodus uh, chapter 20, Mount Sinai. Uh, It must have been incredible, Mount Sinai. Uh, Topographically, it was a very flat land, almost out of nowhere, uh, rising 7,000 feet in elevation, a rectangular-shaped mount, a pulpit-looking mountain called Mount Sinai. Uh, God himself basically uh, descending and doing the preaching uh, on that day. Uh, In fact, one of the scenes is in Exodus 20.18, all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and uh, the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. Uh, It's carrying over Exodus 19.18. Uh, when it was all together on smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended uh, as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. Uh, And when the voice of the Lord sounded long, waxed louder and louder and louder, God spake and God answered, Moses spake, uh, and God answered him by a voice. And so uh, here in Deuteronomy 5, he's retelling it. He's retelling it. Uh, and almost understating it as he's retelling it, uh, in verse number four, he says, out of the midst of the fire, uh, kind of just an uh, understatement. Uh, verse five, you were afraid by reason of the fire, uh, uh, just kind of understating it, but, but it's a pivotal point. Uh, it's a significant scene, a huge happening uh, there uh, for the nation of Israel. And for this one time, God speaks to them directly, God speaks to the nation of Israel uh, audibly. God himself uh, doing the talking. Every other time, that's Exodus 20, every other time, chapter 21, chapter 22, as he expands upon the law, uh, as he expands upon the law, uh, he gives those those iterations, those uh, expansions, those those principles to Moses. Moses gives it to the people, uh, but not on this time. This time, Uh, God is speaking directly to them. Look at verse number one. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep them and do them. By the way, the process is still applicable today. We, We learn them, we keep them. That's why we read it again. We read it again. We go through the Word of God again. Uh, we learn them and keep them and do them. Uh, the Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb, kind of a contract, a, a covenant. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, uh, but with us, even us who are all of us here alive this day. The Lord talked with you face to face uh, in the mount out of the midst uh, of the fire. This time, uh, it was God speaking to them. And it's the law. Uh, It's the law, and uh, tonight I want to try to help frame uh, the place of the law in our lives, the lives of a Christian, the lives of those uh, that are under grace, and a lot of times we'll ask questions about the law. Are we under it? Uh, Aren't we freed from it? Uh, Do we follow it? Uh, What's our relationship to it? And understand there's 
there's two categories at least, and this is one way to describe it. Uh, there's the law of God and there's the law of Moses. The law of God and the law of Moses. And I'm not just making these categories up. In fact, God uses them. Uh, Jesus in John 7 references the law of Moses. The law of Moses. Uh, and uh, uh, circumcision specifically referenced as uh, the law of Moses, but uh, it's also the, the dietary laws, the festivals, the feast days, the, the uh, Levitical laws, and uh, the law of Moses. In Romans 7, though, Paul references the law of God, the law of Moses and the law of God, and they're not interchangeable. Don't, don't get mixed up about that. I think a lot of the confusion is uh, trying to apply uh, laws that were uh, for that people at that time uh, and we try to apply them for all people at all time. Now, that's the law of God. The law of God uh, is for all people at all time. Uh, the law of Moses is for that people at that time. And, and here, uh, the law of God for all people at all time, uh, it's Exodus chapter 20. It's specifically uh, the Ten Commandments. The law of Moses, the civil law, the ceremonial law, the, the dietary law. Uh, and so, uh, again, just to kind of frame it, uh, the law of God is for all people at all times. Uh, the law of Moses is for those people at, at that time. Uh, by the way, that's why uh, there was such a debate in Acts chapter 15. We're going to get to it on Sunday morning uh, when they were saying, except a man be circumcised and follow the law of Moses. And follow the law of Moses, he cannot be saved. He cannot be saved. Uh, it was the Judaizers, the legalizers, those legalists that were that were uh, trying to press the law of Moses on all people at all time, where they got that mixed up, and there was a, a, a squabble, a debate about that. And of course, uh, Paul was trying to frame it rightly uh, in their minds. And so uh, keep in mind, the law of Moses, civil, uh, ceremonial, uh, dietary, uh, doesn't necessarily apply directly to us. And by the way, praise the Lord that it does not, or crabs would be off the table. Is anyone with me at all? And so, uh, the law of the leper, or the, the feast days, or, or a, a lot of those uh, uh, nuanced, um, uh, very sp specific laws for them at, at that time, uh, the festivals, the regulations, the sacrifices, the ordinances, the, the law of Moses. Now, now, now uh, we can extrapolate principles, uh, and all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Uh, and all Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for uh, instruction in righteousness. That's why we preach all Scripture. Uh, however, uh, the law of God is for all people at all time. Uh, the law of Moses is for those people uh, at that time. Uh, the law of God. Uh, and, and if you want to look at it just quickly... Uh, in verse number 7, thou shalt have no other gods before me, specifically the Ten Commandments. Uh, verse number 8, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Verse 11, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Verse uh, 12, uh, keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it. Verse number 16, uh, honor thy father and mother as, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Verse 17, thou shalt not kill. 18, thou shalt not commit adultery. 19, Neither shalt thou steal, verse 20. Uh, neither shalt thou bear false witness, 21. Uh, neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife. And so that, that law of God for all people at all time. However, uh, the law of Moses does not apply that way. By the way, uh, uh, and we'll get into it, and I think you'll see it a little bit better. Uh, we're not under even the law of God oppressively. Uh, oppressively. 
um, uh, we're under grace. Uh, but uh, the law of God is still for all people for all times. And let's get into it. Number one, put down the reasons for the law. The reasons for the law. Uh, first, because of what it displays. It displays the righteousness of Christ. Uh, first, the reasons for the law, uh, what it displays, it displays the righteousness of Christ. I'm uh, going to Colossians chapter number 2, if you'll look with me on the screens, uh, if you can see that. Uh, verse number 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, uh, it's by grace through faith, uh, by grace through faith, so walk ye in him. Uh, verse 7, rooted and built up in him, uh, established in the faith, uh, as ye have been taught ab uh, abounding therein thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, uh, after the, the tradition of men, after the, the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Uh, and so, if you're cross-referencing some of these, the rudiments, the rudiments of the world, uh, uh, Paul speaks about that in Galatians. And of course, uh, in Galatians, he's trying to make the distinction uh, from where Simon Peter uh, was with the Judaizers, saying they've got to keep the law, they've got to keep the law. Uh, and that's when he withstood him to the face, if you recall in uh, Galatians chapter 2. And Paul, uh, talking about how uh, we're not under that yoke of bondage, he's not talking about our sin, he's talking about the law there. Uh, and so uh, it's uh, uh, back-referencing that. Then in verse number 9, For in him Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and, look at this, ye are complete in him. Ye are complete in him. Uh, I think the, the, the passage that would shine light on that is uh, Matthew chapter 5, where the Bible, Christ said, Accept your righteousness, exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Ye cannot enter the kingdom of God. Ye cannot enter the kingdom of God. God wasn't just raising the bar there. He was making it an impossible bar there. The Pharisees were as conservative as they come. The Pharisees kept more rules than anyone uh, ever kept uh, in that time. Uh, and he said, no, don't be just as righteous as they are. Uh, accept your righteousness, exceed their righteousness. You can't possibly uh, make it to heaven. But then he quickly says, I came not to destroy the law. I came not to destroy, but to fulfill, to fulfill, to fill full. Boy, he obeyed uh, every jot, every tittle, every crossing of the I, uh, every dotting of the T, and uh, flip that if you would. But anyway, uh, he fulfilled all that, uh, and so now by faith in him, he is our righteousness, the perfect righteousness of Christ. Hey, that's the only way we enter heaven, is by his righteousness. Uh, and so uh, if you get stuck on this, well, if I keep the law a little bit better, a little bit better, uh, no, no, Colossians says, boy, you're complete in him, you're complete in him. Uh, you're not complete in uh, obeying a little more and, uh, and having a few more rules and uh, approaching it, uh, mandating it, obligating it, oppressing it. Uh, no, that's the wrong approach. The right approach is being rooted uh, and established uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are complete in him, Christ which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the, the circumcision of Christ. And so the spiritual, not physical, the, the spiritual circumcision, but he is our 
righteousness. 12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Uh, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, of your flesh, uh, you hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. By the way, uh, if you're relying upon the law, boy, it's going to bring death. Uh, if you're relying upon the law, it's going to destroy your joy. Uh, if you're relying upon the law, uh, you're heading towards a dead end. Uh, and at the end of the day, you'll find that uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. Uh, none of us can, can be righteous enough uh, and the only access we have to heaven uh, is by the perfect righteousness uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, that, that law, the civil, the ceremonial, the, the law of Moses that was against us, which is contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, uh, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, let no man therefore judge you in the law of Moses. Let no man therefore judge you in meat and drink or in respect of holy day or in new moon or of Sabbath day. So why do we study it? Why do we spend time in it? 17, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. And so uh, the reason for the law uh, is what it displays. What it displays, it shows us the righteousness of Christ. Uh, and if you think you're all that, uh, just take a moment and measure yourself against the righteousness of Christ, uh, and you'll find that all our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so all of the law simply foreshadows Christ. All of the law simply uh, is a shadow cast by the Lord Jesus Christ uh, from eternity past. Uh, and if we trace it, we trace it. Uh, we don't trace it to trying to be a little better or trying to work a little harder or trying to be a little more religious. Hey, we trace it to the very person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so those rules and those regulations uh, paint in all the hues, all the colors of that portrait uh, of Jesus Christ. If you ever... Uh, look at the law of the leper, or ever look at the day of atonement and uh, all of the different sacrifices. And so uh, the reason for the law, number one, uh, what it displays, and it displays the righteousness of Christ. Perfect. He's perfect. Uh, put down number two. Uh, why the law? Why the law? The reasons for the law, uh, not only what it displays, but also number two, where it drives. Where it drives. Boy, it should drive us to Christ. It should drive us to Christ. You say, uh, well, if we're not under it, and by the way, uh, I only repeat what the Bible says, and the Bible says we're not under it, and you'll see that a little bit later. Uh, but why do we study it? Because it should drive us to Christ. Uh, when we see the perfection of the law, uh, and we see the imperfection of us, well, it should cause us to run into the loving arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in Galatians chapter 3, 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster, uh, think about a school bus or a teacher. Uh, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Say that with me. To bring us unto Christ. That we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster, that, that law. Uh, it's basically the bumper guards, uh, if you've ever uh, bowled before, uh, so you can't bowl a, a, a gutter ball. It's those, uh, those guardrails, those guardrails, those guardrails. Uh, and if all you're focusing on is 
the guardrails, you're missing the whole point. If all you're trying to do is keep it out of the gutter, keep it out of the gutter, be a little more, a little bit better, you're missing the point of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what it displays, Christ, is righteousness. Where it drives, it should drive us to Christ. Every morning when you read your Bible, it should drive you to Christ. Uh, every time you spend time worshiping uh, the holiness of God, uh, it should drive you to Christ. And so uh, what it displays, Christ, where it drives, it should drive us to Christ, uh, and how it directs, how it directs, it should direct us in Christ. You see, uh, after salvation, uh, it's not a matter of, okay, now I can keep the law. Now, uh, I couldn't ahead of time, now that I'm saved, uh, now it's up to me now that I'm saved. No, the Bible says that we walk by faith uh, the same way that we got saved, by faith, focusing on Him. We still need uh, Christ. And so, uh, whether it's the imputed righteousness, that uh, doctrine of the great switcheroo, where uh, Christ takes our record, uh, and imputation would be the doctrine. And, and uh, imputed to him, and then uh, his righteous record is given to us, that, that the great, great switcheroo. And so that imputed righteousness, or uh, the practical righteousness as Christ is living out his life in us. Uh, he's living out his life in us. And so uh, as we enter the passages about the law, uh, keep in mind those distinctions, uh, the law of God for all people all times, and then uh, the law of Moses for that people at that time, but then also uh, the reasons for it. Uh, notice the nuances with it. If you want to write a few more points down, just kind of prepping it, trying to frame it uh, in your heart, frame it in your mind. Uh, the law of God, uh, how was it different? How was it different? Uh, well, first, it was spoken audibly by God. Spoken audibly uh, by God to the people. You see it in chapter 20, verse 1 of Exodus. And God spake all these words, saying... Uh, and then Exodus 19, 19, when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, uh, Moses spake and God answered him by a voice. And so uh, the law of God spoken audibly. The law of God spoken audibly. Uh, the law of Moses was given by God to Moses, uh, and then Moses relayed it to the people. He relayed it to the people. Uh, and so God speaking, uh, and then Moses speaking. And so uh, the law of God is a moral law. The law of Moses is more of a civil ceremony. So number one, uh, uh, it was spoken audibly. It was written directly. It, it was written directly, Exodus 31, 18. And he gave unto Moses uh, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. Written with the finger of God. Uh, of God. Uh, you ever uh, try to copy your spouse's signature? Anyone ever do that? I, I think they call it fraud. But anyway, uh, uh, it's usually on making a bank deposit. It's to Scott and Charlene Toole, and so uh, she would want me to deposit, and so I'd write my signature, and then between us, right, it stays in here. Uh, and then I'll try to copy my wife's signature. Doesn't even come close. By the way, the only signature that I miss more than Charlene's signature uh, is the handwriting of God. The handwriting of God. Uh, we're his living epistle, known and read of all men. Uh, he, with the Holy Spirit of God, writes his word in our hearts. Uh, here, though, uh, it's spoken audibly. Uh, here, though, uh, it's written by the hand of God directly. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, Second Peter chapter 1. Hey, the word of God isn't just inspired like we think of 
Boy, that was an inspired speech. That was an inspired game that he played. Uh, No, God actually, with his Holy Spirit, took their hand and penned the exact words uh, through them, by them, uh, but it was God doing the writing, especially here with the law of God, the law of God with his finger, God himself pinning it down, God himself writing it down, God himself giving it uh, directly. And so there's a distinction between the two. There's a uh, difference between the law of Moses, law of God, uh, law of God spoken audibly, law of God written directly, number three, write it down. Uh, the law of God was preserved uniquely. It, it was preserved uh, uniquely. And again, for all people, all times, uh, by the way, uh, when he gave the law of God, um, uh, Hebrew history says that uh, he gave it in, I think it's 42 different languages. He, they heard it uh, in 42 different languages. Basically, uh, every known language on the planet at that time, uh, basically saying it was for all people at all times. All people at all times. And so, spoken audibly, written directly, and now uh, preserved uniquely. Uh, and so, um, uh, uh, the, the distinction, the difference, um, uh, we're trying to frame it so that we don't fall into the ditch of, of lawlessness uh, and we don't, antinomianism, uh, lawlessness, uh, and we don't fall into the ditch of, uh, of legalism. And you say, well, uh, you're going to have to keep talking for us to get that framed. And so since you told me to, I will. And so uh, let me quickly give you a few other ways to think about this before we Uh, jump in a little bit more. Uh, Put down number one, and you've seen this before, to the saved, the saved are now dead to the law. The saved are now dead to the law. Galatians chapter two, I'm dead to the law that I might live unto God, live unto Christ. I'm dead to the law. And so the saved are dead to the law. Uh, Put down number two, the sons are no longer under the law. We're in Galatians, and of course that's uh, talking about that that uh, the Judaizers, the legalizers, you got to be circumcised, follow the law of Moses. And so, uh, uh, Paul, uh, the dead are, uh, uh, the saved are dead to the law. The sons are now no longer under the law. Galatians 3 says, uh, we were kept under the law. Uh, Verse 25, but after that faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. We're no longer under, under oppressively, uh, weighing us down. Uh, Put down number three. The spouse is delivered from the law. That's Romans chapter 7. And so saved, dead too. Sons, no longer under. Uh, The spouse is delivered from the law. Romans chapter 7. But now we are delivered from the law. Delivered from uh, the law. Uh, But the fourth one, I think, will make a little more sense to you. The spiritual live well within the law. The spiritual live well within the law, but again, it's not out of oppression. Uh, It's not out of someone dictating and regulating and uh, all about rules, all about law, all about that. Uh, No, no, Uh, but the spiritual, uh, because he's living his life through us, we're not blatantly like uh, Corinth did, proudly parading their preferences. Uh, I can do this because I want to do this. I can do this because I want. Well, that's a childish behavior. Uh, That's a childish voice that says that uh, because the spiritual, uh, oh yes, not under, and oh yes, dead to, and oh yes, delivered from, but uh, the spiritual live well within. Romans 6, 14, 
you're not under the law, but under grace. You're under grace. You're under grace. And by the way, uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, when uh, Christ gave us that, not just a difficult bar to cross, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, he gave us an impossible bar to cross. Um, uh, and then he said, it's because you're not expected to cross it. You need to run to me and let me be your righteousness and then let me live my righteous life through you. Uh, okay, let me put it this way. You'll hear it again. Uh, love requests more than law requires. Uh, write that down somewhere. Love requests more than law requires. That's grace. Well, that's grace. Uh, the grace of God that bringeth salvation to every man, the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, to live soberly, righteously in this present evil world. The grace of God does that. Uh, what we could not do in our own strength, hey, God's grace, God's grace. Uh, the spiritual live well within, uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, you'll see that drumbeat of, uh, ye have heard that it hath been said. Ye have heard that it hath been said. Uh, Thou shalt not kill. But I say unto you, whoso's angry with his brother without a cause? Why, well, love requests more than law requires. Uh, ye have heard that it hath been said to you of, in times of old, uh, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whoso looketh on a woman to lust after her? Uh, you see, when it's grace, when it's love, when we realize all that he's done for us, uh, it's not about oppression. It's not about uh, rules and, and the law. Uh, it's all about, uh, I want to submit to him and let the Lord Jesus Christ live his righteous life through me. Put down number two. That's all introduction. Uh, that's the reasons for the law. Uh, and now let's get into the text. The regulations of. The regulations of the law. The reasons for. And now the regulations of the law, the Ten Commandments themselves, can be divided into two categories, two different groups. And I think it's uh, interesting, I wouldn't be dogmatic on this, but there's two tables of stone. I kind of wonder if uh, God divided those uh, Ten Commandments in those two categories uh, on those two tables of stone. Uh, it's not five and five, it would be four and six, because the first four deal with man's relationship to God, uh, the next six deals with man's relationship to man. Uh, the first four deals with uh, man's relationship with God. The uh, next six deal with man's relationship to man. And I think that it coincides with the great commandment. Uh, Master, what's the great, first great commandment of the law? And he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. Hey, that's the first and great commandment. Uh, our relationship towards him, the first four commandments, the second is like unto the first, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The next six uh, is man's relationship uh, with man. And so uh, let's get into the regulations of the law and we'll talk a little bit more, try to give more clarity. Um, okay, let me, before we jump into this, let me circle around just to try to, try to erase a few more question marks. Uh, you've heard the illustration, and I've given it before, how um, the young lady who uh, was rushed to the marriage altar, her parents uh, uh, insisting, pointing, you need to marry this man, a little older, uh, and she found out that it wasn't a uh, loving bliss. She found out the dude was a dictator. He was just hard, 
Um, he would have these laundry lists of, uh, as my wife, you have to obey. That was his favorite verse. And uh, wives obey your husbands. And he would have a laundry list of, you need to do this, don't do that. Make sure my laundry, make sure this, make sure that. These lists written out for her that she had to obey. She had to obey. She had to obey. Uh, and in her own testimony, uh, she said that God prematurely uh, took him and praise the Lord for that. But anyway, uh, God prematurely took him and thank God. Uh, but uh, she said she never really planned on ever remarrying, but, but just as she was living life, she, she met someone that became her friend, and that friendship turned into a, a, a just kind of a, a sweeping uh, romance, fell head over heels in love with this man. Uh, the man fell head over heels in love with her, uh, and that honeymoon lasted uh, forever. Just the joy and the happiness she had uh, with that second marriage versus that first marriage, and uh, just uh, every once in a while thinking about boy, the contrast, the contrast, boy, the difference of the joy here and the, the hardship here, the joy here and the, the hardship here. Uh, and she, she said she was cleaning out the garage uh, boxes and just throwing some old stuff away. One of the lids came off a box, and uh, she stared eye to laundry list of rules with uh, her, her, uh, her ex-husband's uh, um, uh, handwriting, uh, do this, don't do this, stop doing this, be more like this. Uh, and when she first saw it, that reminder of what that first relationship was like, but she just had a cold shiver go up her spine and she shuddered. Uh, it was so oppressive, it was so hard, it was so just law, law, law. Uh, and then when she finally calmed down after that panic attack, subsided, uh, she started reading over that, that list that he had, and she realized, boy, I'm doing every one of these things that he had on his list, uh, and my current husband never one time ever demanded that I do any of them. Not one time ever oppressed, not, not one time ever insisted, not, not one time ever, ever uh, just uh, heavy-handed, that, that heavy-handed, and, and she said, boy, I'm doing everything on the list, and he never one time insisted, uh, but I'm doing it out of a heart of love and a heart of joy, uh, and because of that grace, that grace that's in that second relationship. Does that help frame it for you at all? Uh, and so uh, you're not under it. Uh, you're delivered from it. Um, um, you've, uh, you're dead to it. You're dead to it, but, but the spiritual will live well within it. And so let's go through these quickly. Um, the regulations of the law themselves. Commandment number one, uh, if you want to shorten it, put down God first. God first. Commandment number one, God first. Uh, verse number seven, thou shalt have none other gods before me, God first. That means your job, that means your family, that means your recreation, that means money. Uh, God first, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Uh, commandment number two, write it down, no idolatry, no idolatry. And so uh, I'm trying to fit this on a wooden plaque that you can hang in your kitchen. So uh, God first, uh, there. Uh, and then the second one, uh, uh, no idols, no idolatry. Uh, verse number eight, thou shalt not make uh, thee any graven image uh, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or, or that is in earth beneath uh, or that is in the water uh, beneath the earth Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Am a jealous God. And so if you want to really make it applicable, Colossians 3 says covetousness is idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. And if God says give uh, and you live keep, 
That's idolatry. If God says, uh, give, and you live hoard, that's idolatry. You're putting something ahead of God. You're putting uh, your career, your finances, you're putting uh, anything you put ahead of God uh, is idolatry. And so, uh, first, God first, and then second, no idolatry. Put down commandment number three, don't blaspheme. Don't blaspheme. Look at verse number 11. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Uh, by the way, it doesn't say there just don't use his name as a cuss word. Uh, it doesn't just say that, though we never should. We never should. Uh, it doesn't say don't use his name as a curse word, though we never should. Uh, it says don't use his name lightly, uh, unreverently, uh, empty, vainly, uh, just kind of whimsically. And I think a lot of times uh, we even do church a little uh, whim, uh, just uh, lightly. We don't uh, give the reverence. We don't, uh, when we're thinking about him, talking about him, uh, the awe and the respect and the reverence that we should have. Uh, when we use the name of the Lord, uh, we shouldn't just kind of flippantly, 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 vainly use it. Uh, and so, uh, God first, no idolatry. Uh, number three, don't blaspheme. Uh, commandment number four, day of rest. Day of rest. Uh, verse 12, keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath uh, of the Lord thy God. Uh, in it shalt thou not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thou, thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy, thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor uh, any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy uh, manservant and thy maidservant may uh, rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a, a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. A day of rest, it's needed. A day of rest, it's needed. And of course, we do know that Christ is our rest. We know that. But a day of rest is still needed. In fact, Christ said that the Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Uh, the goal wasn't, to, okay, the, the Sabbath, and, and now I'm going to make man so that he has to follow that. He has to follow that. Uh, and if our ministry ever becomes about just, uh, it's keeping the rules first, rules first, keeping the rules first, and then, then, then if someone comes, it's, it's so that they'll keep the rules. Hey, our goal isn't about keeping the rules. Uh, our goal is about reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and as they develop a relationship with Christ, it will be a spiritual response, supernaturally natural response as Christ lives his life through them. And so the Sabbath day for me obviously isn't Sunday, um, but we all do need that day of rest, and not just us, but our families, our, our servants. We need to just kind of shut it down, focus on him. Put down commandment number five. And those first four uh, is our relationship with him. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy might, all thy strength. Uh, the next six is our relationship with each other. Commandment five, write it down. Honor your parents. Uh, honor your parents. Look at verse 16. Uh, honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee that thy days may be prolonged uh, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And of course, children that are in the house, obey your parents. Uh, I, I, I think there's a little bit of an argument uh, about 
uh, if you're under 20. If you're under 20, I think we've already looked at that. Uh, when God referenced them as children, little ones, uh, I think he referenced them as without understanding. Uh, under 20. But uh, I do know, uh, children in the house, uh, obey your parents, obey your parents. But there does come a time when uh, you may not obey like that, your parents, but we always are to honor our parents. Uh, we're always to respect and honor them. But on, uh, number six, don't kill. Don't kill. Verse 17, thou shalt not kill. And, and you say, well, I got that down. Uh, how about your temper? You got that down? Uh, being angry with a brother without a cause. You got that down? Uh, and so it's more to it than just that. Commandment six, don't kill. Commandment seven, no adultery. Uh, verse 18, neither shalt thou commit adultery. Commandment eight, no stealing. Uh, 19, neither shalt thou steal. Um, uh, I don't think I got these off of one of those plaques, but they could fit. They definitely could fit. No stealing. Uh, commandment number nine, no lying, no lying. Uh, by the way, you know that the commandment isn't no lying. Look at it, verse 20. Neither shalt thou bear false witness uh, against thy neighbor. Neither shalt thou bear false witness. Uh, the commandment is not thou shalt not lie. The commandment is make sure you're not even trying to shade the truth. Uh, you're not trying to give someone a wrong impression. Oh yeah, I didn't really lie. Uh, they came to that conclusion. Uh, I, I simply bore false witness. I, I, I shaded the truth. Uh, and so uh, this goes more to being transparent, being sincere, being open. Uh, this speaks a whole lot to accountability uh, more than it's thou shalt not lie, though that does come inside of that. Uh, and then commandment number 10, no coveting. Uh, no coveting. Uh, look at verse number 21. Uh, neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife, uh, neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's house, uh, neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's car, if it was written today, that's what it would say, uh, or his field, or his manser, or his mates, or his ox, his ass, or, or anything that is thy, thy neighbor's. And so, uh, turn over to Matthew 5 quickly. I just want to show it to you one time. I, I, I alluded to it, alluded to it, uh, but I really do want to show it to you because if you get if you try to frame this thing uh, without this consideration, uh, you'll frame it all the way over to lawlessness. Uh, all the way over to, uh, in that day, every man did that which is right in his own eyes. And by no means are we preaching antinomianism. We're not preaching that. Uh, what we're preaching is love requests more than law requires. Look at Matthew 5, 21. Ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Love requesting more than law requiring. Love requesting more than law requiring. Look at 27. You have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart, Love requesting more than law requiring. Look at 20, uh, 31. Uh, it hath been said of those of old time, it hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a, a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, but I say unto you, and so uh, he's elevating, he's elevating, he's raising the bar, uh, shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, uh, causeth her to commit adultery. Again, uh, love requesting more than law requiring. Look at uh, verse 38. Uh, ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. 
uh, and along with that, 43, uh, ye have heard that it hath been said, ye have heard that it hath been said, that drumbeat, that drumbeat, that drumbeat. It's not about law. It's not about law. It's not about law. It's about love. Uh, the law said this. Uh, grace and love says this. Uh, and it says it raising the bar a lot higher than, look at 43. Uh, ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Uh, do good to them that hate you, uh, and pray for them which despitefully uh, use you and persecute you. And so, someone that would say, uh, Pastor, are we under the law? I would say, uh, according to Galatians, absolutely not. However, love requests far more than law requires. Uh, Pastor, is tithing, you talk about tithing. Isn't tithing a law thing? Um, I, I do think that Christ affirms it when he says, uh, ye have tithed of mint and anise, but have omitted the weightier matters of the law. This ought ye to have done. Tithe. You should tithe. You should tithe. This ought ye to have done. It, it's good that you do that, uh, and not to have left the others undone. And so uh, I do think that the Lord affirms tithing, but even if we go with the supposition of, well, that was under law, that was under law, tithing 10%, that was under law, uh, and I gave you that argument, I would go back and say, yes, maybe, but love requests far more than law requires. In fact, you know the grace, the grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, who, though he were rich, yet for your sake, this is grace-giving, grace-giving, though he was rich, uh, yet for your sake became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Hey, Christ didn't tithe. You're right. Uh, you're right if it's law. Hey, Christ didn't tithe. He gave everything he possibly had. Uh, his breath, his blood, his life. Uh, he gave it all. Uh, he gave it all. Uh, his only worldly possession that uh, was probably gifted to him, that robe, he, he, he gave it all. He gave it all. And so uh, with that framing, with that framing, we're going to speak a little bit more on, on, on law, but, but I hope that um, we framed it a, a little bit better for those that uh, ask the question, well, uh, doesn't the law say? Doesn't the law? Well, first, there's two categories, law of God, law of Moses. And second, uh, well, we're still under it. We're still under it. Uh, it's for all people at all times, but we're not under it oppressively. Um, uh, in fact, uh, uh, if anything, it's Christ living through us inspirationally. Uh, uh, someone said, well, um, you have to go to church. You have to go to church. Uh, you have to go to church uh, on Wednesday night. No, I get to go to church on Wednesday night. I, I get to. Uh, well, you have to uh, do this, and you have to uh, do that. And our kids growing up would always flip it and say, no, we get to do that. We get to do that. Uh, there's nothing oppressive when when it's something out of the joy of our heart, uh, the love of Christ constrains me. Uh, love requests more than law requires. Uh, the goodness of God leadeth me to repentance. Uh, and if you're living on the love side, uh, you're going to live a lot higher than you ever would uh, if you were living on the law side. And I hope that uh, our talk tonight helps frame that uh, in your heart. And if it doesn't, we're going to close it out anyway. And so uh, let's have a word of prayer. Let's all stand to our feet. And uh, thank you for coming out tonight. We're going to uh, continue in chapter five, chapter six next week and start digging in 
uh, a little bit more. And that is today's message. We invite you to tune in next time with Scott Toole as he presents another message from Rosedale Baptist Church. For more information about today's presentation or about the ministries of Rosedale Baptist Church, go online to rosedalebaptist.org. That's rosedalebaptist.org. Join us again next time as we study the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse.